HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. Welcome to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, here today uh, with the husband and wife team behind Fishes Eddie. It's FishesEddie.com. It's a dinerware, glassware, everythingware warehouse of everything. I mean, that, that place is just chock full of uh, uh, hoarding, almost. <laughs> um, Julie Gaines, Dave Lenovitz, thanks for being on there. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So, want to talk about your humble beginnings? Uh, where did you two grow up? And this is—we're going to talk about that that felicitous moment in '86. We're going to lead up to it. Uh, but where did you two grow up? What was the food? What was the art? What were you surrounded by? Well, I actually grew up in Staten Island, and it was all Italian. Yeah. So I grew up with a lot of you know very uh, and Southern Italian. So I grew up with a lot of heavy. Italian food, a lot of restaurants, good restaurants out there. Yeah. Yeah. Dave? Dave? And uh, I grew up in Huntington, Long Island, and uh, I was raised by my parents, unusually. <laughs> and, my, and my mom, uh, we, it was in the, it was in the uh, early 60s in Long Island, on Long Island. And uh, she was a martini-drinking, pill-popping mom. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably too much okay. information. Yeah, that is too much information. <laughs> but we're big amongst moms, so you better watch oh, what you're saying. Okay. No, I, really? I, yeah. I love my mom. Yeah. So, uh, Staten Island, Italian, you're used to, you know, not white tablecloth, red sauce, you know, big chunky plates. Yeah. Uh, pill popping. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry about that. Martini glasses, something yes, like that. big martini. You guys are big in the glassware. But, you know, uh, throughout all these years, did you guys focus on the food or did you focus on what the food came on? Actually, we st- when we started uh, 
we were in the food service industry because yeah. it was commercial. It's it is commercial dinnerware, but it, ironically, it wasn't about food. Yeah, I and mean, we talked to people that go way back with us, and they remember when food service had nothing to do with food. So the whole food industry sort of happened around us. Yeah, yeah, which well, worked out. Well, I mean, there was this moment in '86. You uh, went to Syracuse. Yes. Uh, what did you study there? Well, I studied art and art history. Yeah, and yeah, I, I moved in on 15th Street, and. A couple days after I moved in, I walked down the block, and there was this very cute little store, and Dave was there (laughs) working at the register, stocking the shelves, and we met, and he fell in love with me immediately. Immediately, yes. Yeah, yeah. wooden Indian antiques and glassware. Yeah. Yeah, Uh excellent. Uh, You didn't care about the glassware or the antiques at all, either? Um. Well, it's, it is a true story. Yeah. I, he had this really cool messenger bag, and it was made by Coach Leather. And then I found out that, you know, Coach Leather, he was, they're family relatives of his. And I thought the bag was really cool, and Dave was really cool. And the store had, it was so eclectic. There was everything in there. And I studied art history, and I just, I don't know, I guess I just responded to it and Dave and I hit it off right away we just started talking about things we like together well it sounds yeah. like you like the bag more than me <laughs> uh, I don't know well I, I mean it ter- worked out well okay. do you okay. still have the bag I do yeah he has the bag oh, okay I was yeah. about to say if that yeah. was gone she still has you you know what yeah. she chose yeah <laughs> so. it's between me and the bag yeah so uh, 86 you guys met uh, found this kinship amongst well not just bags but glassware and antiques because yeah. after that you two started forging and collecting yeah and uh, it brought you traveling around the greater northeast. We got a blue pickup, right? Yeah, we got an old blue pickup, and uh, we just started traveling the country, going to flea markets. Yeah. It was, uh, we're getting up at like four in the morning, hitting the road. Yeah, the only uh, bad memories I have, is for a short time, <laughs> we got a dog, uh, a Dalmatian, who was completely in love with Dave, yeah. so he got to sit in the front. So for a <laughs> while, we took a couple trips where I was sitting in the bed of the truck, Yeah. So and then I'd see the silhouette of the dog looking at Dave lovingly. <laughs> I thought you liked it back there. No, I didn't like it. It hurt. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> it was bumpy. Well, let's get back to the markets. Uh, you go to Pennsylvania. You go to like Amish markets. Yeah. Um, what were you looking for? I mean, was it anything specific? Uh, we both share the same sort of aesthetic sense. And we were just looking for things that were, you know, odd, quirky, not expensive. We collected a lot of folky paintings and thrift shop paintings. And, and we collected a lot of dishware, vintage dishware, which we both loved, but not so much for the food aspect, but what was on it, the designs. We, yeah. we really responded to the silhouettes and the designs and how it was like a slice of American history. Stuff yeah. was great. We but, kind of just bought what we liked. It wasn't really, we didn't really have trained eyes, I guess. I mean, we weren't pickers, I guess, or something, but we, we bought what we liked. We weren't, which I think um, has a lot to do with where Fish is Eddie is at now. It's not, you know, there's not, it's, it's not the result of focus groups and, and savvy designers. It's just real stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, when you guys you know, moved in together, eventually married, uh, did you have one set of dishware and you had another and those two? <laughs> no, but we each had our own takeout menus. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't yeah. have... Yeah. We, we really don't... We yeah. don't eat on dishes at home. Is that bad yeah. to say? Maybe no, I should say that. No, we don't have time. We're always but in the store. But you eat on every dish at the store just yes. to test yes. it. Just yes. Right yes. <laughs> yeah. But, um, no, we, uh, we, we didn't have a lot of anything. We started collecting together. We both were sort of blank canvases and we just joined forces we were both looking for something and we had so much in common and we had a lot of fun and we're a lot alike so it just sort of worked out it was really 
lucky that yeah. I moved in on that block. Do you, do you remember some of these diamonds in the rough, some of these treasures oh, yeah. that you, you dug through and found in these early days? Well, the Bowery in those days was all restaurant supplies. Of course, now it's, you know, it's expensive restaurants and hotels and apartments. But we started going down to those basements and we would come up with bushels of, um, oh my God, I stuff Alexander Girard dishes for La Fonda del Sol and um, a lot of railroad stuff. And we were really uh, beside ourselves. We were going through, we would just load up bushels frantically because the owners of the restaurant supplies, basically we were doing them a favor by carting it away. Yeah. And that's really how we started seriously getting into this. So you mentioned La Fonda de Sol, yeah. um, which just had its you know, resurgence over the past yes. couple of years, a uh, 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 linchpin of Joe Bomb's restaurants yes. in New York. Uh, what other classic restaurants did you find plates and oh, dishware from? The Newarker. The Newarker, yeah. Joe Bomb's first restaurant yeah. at Newark yeah. Restaurant. Oh, wow. At Newark, yeah, at Idlewild. It was at the airport. Yeah. What, was it? Yeah. It was at, yeah. Oh, I think it was. Yeah, I mean, and we've been into, you know, we were into the basement of the 21 Club, the speakeasy. There yeah. was a speakeasy down there, and we've been in basements of the um, Helmsley Palace. And the Harvard the Club. Harvard Club. People call us. And well, once we got a little reputation, and we were small, and there was no competition or anything, um, people were finding out that they wanted to get rid of their dishes. Like, the Harvard Club called and said, please, take it. And, yeah. You know, we were getting these match strikers and really cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But couldn't afford to eat at those restaurants. Oh, no. They wouldn't <laughs> no. even let us in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they would, we had yeah. to go in the back door. Yeah, they Where, saw our SAT scores. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you put all this stuff? I mean, it must have been such epic, monumental restaurants. Seriously, our apartment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was everywhere. There were stacks of stuff everywhere. The bathtub, the kit, everywhere. We got a little apartment on, what street was it? Third Avenue? Third, yeah, it was... Third and what? Third and 21st? Third and 21st, yeah. And that place where we stacked every little square inch with dishes. Yeah. Because we didn't have it. And then we got our first storage space in Bush Terminal, I think it was. I think yeah. so. And when did uh, the original Fishes Eddie open and where? Was it 80? It was on, yeah, it was in 86 and it was on 17th Street. And in those days, you could just walk into a little store and walk out with a lease. So yeah. we did. And um, we sort of discovered the power of you know recognition and we called New York Magazine it was actually Corky Pollan was the editor of Best Bets and we called her up and she came to the store and within the next week or two she gave us um, I think it was a full page about the store and the window and it was so exciting because we you know we we made the rent and we got money to go buy more things and that really I mean we were just feeling it out we had no plan we had no plan I mean you had an art history, well, art school background. Uh-huh. Dave, what was your background? Uh, I actually didn't go to college, but I, I joined the Navy when I was young and uh, had an experience there. And then I came out and I was trying to find myself. I moved to New York City and I asked my uh, my father's cousin who owned the Wooden Indian if I could have a job. I was yeah. trying to find myself. I didn't know what to do. Yeah. And he's, he let me in and eventually I started managing the store. It was a tiny operation, but and, and that's, that's how I got to that spot mm. and having an art degree doesn't mean i wasn't equally as lost <laughs> <laughs> well 500 square feet uh you must have stacked the store like you stacked your apartment just kind of cluttered it up yeah and, well we were finding it in bushels and yeah it was really in crates and bushels a lot of it was from the turn of the century so it was packed in hay because that's how they used to pack it straw in hay. straw yeah. 
but they would deliver it. Um, it would the railroads would go right into the factories. Is that how it worked? Yeah, and they wouldn't. Bo- they wouldn't. There were no boxes or bushels. They would actually just pack the dishes in the railroad cart in straw. Yeah. And, you know, it was really odd. We saw a lot of trucks like that in the beginning of our career. We'd get tractor trailers packed in straw. It was really weird and crazy. I mean, it was a totally different time. It's, yeah. Yeah. So um, what kind of brands? I mean, growing up in Syracuse, you, you were right near Syracuse, China. Yeah, that was a big... So were you trying to find your Syracuse, China of New York City? Were you, you know, looking for something specific when you were going out and searching for dishware? Well, when we were looking, when we were going through these basements in the Bowery, there was only uh, there was only ever a you know a handful of great American commercial manufacturers yeah. of restaurant china. So it was um, you know there was Buffalo China and there was Shenango China and Viking Glassware and Syracuse and all these guys over the years we we were there at their. Uh, as they closed their doors. But that's how, even though I went to school in Syracuse, and I was very familiar with Syracuse, China, and I've even, like, dug through their dumpsters, you know, once or twice, <laughs> but more for, like, art projects. But when Dave and I went into the basements of the Bowery, we would see old Syracuse, China, from the turn of the century. So we started making trips up there all the time. Now, this China, very unadorned, maybe had the name of a restaurant, a small logo, but it was true Americana. Um, what made it so special? Was it that it wasn't over the top? Was it that it was well-crafted? Was it that it was American-made? All of those, yeah. I think that covered... I mean, it was just... It struck us. It hit our eye. It was so Americana. It was so, uh, you know, turn of the century. Well, Americans... Re- these, I think Americans make the best China. It's really made with love. I mean, if you look at some of the old photos, and there's even some footage, and the way they put the handles on and decorate the... Um, it, I mean, it's it's really one way to explain to people the history of this country, you know, because it was made for old roadside diners and clubs and institutions. And then um, Dave recently just got catalogs. How many did you? We got about 100 catalogs from uh, an old company, Shenango China, and it was their art catalogs of every pattern they ever made and the books are oh, just wow. un- there's I mean, no words yeah i mean you got to see them there's a, you know the original and of course this is way before computers so it's they're hand drawn they're hand drawn in the books and there's like howard johnson's and um holiday the holiday inn like original one from, that's even later though but i mean it's yeah. it's really very exotic collection we're thrilled we feel very lucky to you know have it in our yeah. possession yeah. yeah they're sitting in a store right now upstairs so talking about seeing the design seeing history of america mm-hmm. through these kind of textile designs. What were some of the patterns that you were seeing? Uh, as Julie was saying, it's all a lot of diners, a lot of clubs, institutions, schools, uh, shipping companies, railroads, banks. banks. It yeah. was just yeah. anything across the country. A lot of people, I guess, had the money, or the companies were more apt to be able to do a small custom run. Well, they yeah. would do small runs. Like if you had a little restaurant in the Midwest somewhere, you could call one of these guys and get mugs and plates and creamers and um, the shapes also were so beautiful and they're not made anymore Um, you would get something proprietary for your restaurant and you didn't have to order the way you have to go offshore now and get you know tractor containers literally so that's all this stuff we were getting there were so many different patterns well for example one pattern I just saw in the book was a uh, from 1923 they're all dated and this one was from 1923 and it was Atlas Dog Training School and it had a picture of like a dog with a top hat and a cane. Yeah. And they had that put on the dish. And yeah. it was like a dog. But there's sanatoriums. For- we're getting oh, so yeah, much sanitarium. stuff like sanatoriums where, you know, 
it, which was really like a spa in the at the turn of the century. <laughs> yeah, ladies' lunch. We have a lot of old YMCA. Those things are oh, yeah. gorgeous. Do you ever see clients of? older restaurants come in searching for those things. I was going to say people that went to the sanatorium got out and, you know, looking to furnish <laughs> their apartment, but do you ever see uh, people looking for these relics of their past? Yeah, there, there's a whole yeah. army of collectors out there that yeah. we really, uh, we just put a bunch of th- items online and uh, people are just coming out of the woodwork for it. It's really incredible, the, the you know, the desire to have that stuff. Yeah, it's the kind of customer we actually have a special, you know, fondness for because they really appreciate what we appreciate. Not that we don't appreciate and love all the designs and the new things that we do, and everything that we do now is is rooted in what we found. But, yeah. But the customers that come out for that original stuff. Yeah. Just, I mean, what, what's a minimum order that you can get on like a, a, a mug these days? A customer on? Yeah. Uh, it's That's in the hundreds, several hundreds. Yeah. No, yeah. It's like eighteen hundred. Yeah, yeah. eighteen hundred, and that's. Begging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you guys do a lot of customization or proprietary. Mostly yeah. all now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is it still all American, though? No, it's not. And we did, we, a lot of it is. We keep as much made in America as we can, but we're all over now. We're in, um, you know, we're in England and Mexico and China and India. We're really. Columbia. Yeah. yeah. But, but the one thing we did, and, and that was like a turning point at Fish's Eddie several years ago, was it was definitely an arduous um, job to keep the quality up and make that change, you know, and not make it a big deal. Like we kept the quality of the dishes up and it was a big deal. It was for very us. important to us, though, to, to maintain that, yeah. you know, that quality that we have been so accustomed to because it's vitrified it's not porous it's heavy stuff i mean we really stand on the dishes to reach something we don't bring ladders out oh so you mean literally not proverbially? Yeah, yeah yeah we stand on stacks of dishes yeah, all the time yeah. to reach stuff i feel like that's a great uh you know old school slogan poster like you know don't tread on me or like i believe in america like we stand on our dishes <laughs> right, and yeah, see a photo of the two of you standing <laughs> actually on your you're dishes. a genius i need a pen <laughs> well this is going to be on radio you can just listen right, to it again. yeah that's perfect <laughs> on that uh because i don't think i'm going to be able to say anything that genius again we're going to take a quick break okay, perfect. you've been listening to the food scene on heritage radio network.com we'll be right back the only time when barbecue is welcome. At S. Wallace Edwards & Sons, Sam Edwards has been working his magic on ribs, briskets, thick-cooked pulled pork, and much, much more. Add a few of their sides and the party is complete. 
Entertaining has never been so easy. To order, go to virginiatraditions.com. Welcome back to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, here today with David Lenovitz and Julie Gaines of Fish's Eddie and Silka, sitting in the corner. Um, we were just talking about, you know, uh, Americana and not compromising. Um, I think a great spirit of not compromising yourselves was your transition of the store down to Hudson and Perry Street. Um, what was it like taking that original location and moving it into what was the heart of the artistic community in New York City? Well, we, we actually found the store and we were just riding our bike and we, um, the landlord was Bill Gottlieb. I don't know if you know. He was, no, he, yeah. the, this guy was, he was just as eccentric. He was a fixture in the West Village and he actually owned a lot. He he told Dave and I, "I'm going to buy everything in the meatpacking district," and you know, and he did. And now you know, you can he gets a lot of press now too. I mean, he passed away, but his whole yeah. family's. But we just were riding by and we saw that store, and it definitely had a great vibe because a, a White Horse Tavern was on the corner, and um, it was a great location. And we opened up, but we didn't realize how great it was. It ended up we would go in at one o'clock in the afternoon and stay there till three four in the morning and it, there was so many um, there's so many cool people hanging around like Suzanne Vega used to come in and um, and Gregory Hines and uh, Julian Schnabel came in one day and he got all these plates and we weren't sure who he was and then <laughs> Dave went and delivered it in the truck Dave came back he goes you're not going to believe where I just delivered these dishes it was a very exotic studio yeah and, you know it was just. His, it, the building that he built that giant pul- oh the pink palace, the over pink palace yeah yeah but he was breaking them up to, yeah. to yeah he was in his paintings how did you feel about that I mean were you giving him broken plates or you were giving him it was a combination broken and together we yeah. didn't care you know as long as he was, yeah. <laughs> he was painting he could do whatever he wanted with them but uh, we subsequently learned that he was he's a gigantic artist and he was putting the plates in the dish and the, in the work and it was you know you can see it all over the world and, but we and put a little bench outside um, not right in front of the store but remember across um out, right outside the store and it became a hub and I don't think we really we were so young I don't think we understood you know there was a lot of greatness around us and yeah. so great energy and everybody came in the store it was a hangout it was a real hangout and people met there it was a hangout yeah it feels very sounds very New York very Manhattan um, and I think uh, you know a, a great idol of that is Diane Keaton who was also yeah. a customer of yeah. yours so it's like she kind of signified what that was too yeah it's um but we but we were spending our mornings going in the Bowery and fishing out these bushels of really great stuff and then you know some of the best times were actually putting it out because you find a little you know you make a little pyramid of these creamers with this incredible Aztec pattern from some place in Yosemite and you know and then all these really cool people are coming in and they're looking at it and it was they were really fun times and we were also kid free so, yeah. <laughs> so and it was also a time when you could just go in we we saw the store as we were running by on our bike and the next thing we know we're sitting with the landlord in his 
office, which was a liquor store. Yeah, Bill Gottlieb's And we walked out with there. a lease. Yeah. And it was two seconds, and yeah. I don't know how we did it. So we it, let but- the lease on 17th Street just run out, because yeah. this was it. Like, this was really... This was the right audience. The West Village in the 80s, that was absolutely the right audience for us. They got it. They totally got it. Yeah. Yeah. But what did uh, the move to 19th Street mean? I mean, obviously a bigger store. It's a fountainhead. It's it's, it's that corner. Uh, what is that building? Uh, it's the Gorham Silver Company building. It yeah. was the first mixed-use building in Manhattan for commercial and residential. It's yeah. a very storied, beautiful building. It's the kind of thing, like, I think if we were older and thought about it, we might not have done it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I really, it's like marriage. Yeah. <laughs> you have to jump into it. <laughs> but, but at the same time, we, we talk about a first, you know, storefront at 500 square feet. And recently you just bumped it up to 4,500. So it was a good transition. It was a great transition. Yeah. And it's a really, we're so lucky to be in that building. It's just perfect for us. We feel like we've grown up there. It's just magical. I mean, we love it. It's our home. It's, it's, we, I would couldn't see us any other place. Yeah. Whereas you had all these artists, you know, cajoling in the West Village. You brought artists into your 19th Street mm-hmm. store um, and have collaborated with a lot on, you know, dinnerware. Who, who were some of your first? Well, Cynthia Rowley yeah. was one of our first. And we were working with Nicole Miller. And, um, you know, we work with Todd Oldham now. We're actually... Uh, Working with Milton Glaser. We're doing oh, some wow. really yeah. cool stuff right now. And you've worked with Roz Shaston. Roz Chast, yeah. yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, we're doing some great stuff. And then we also, we're working with the New York Public Library. And oh, we're awesome. doing some, they're doing uh, an exhibit coming up, Lunch in New York, with all those menus and things. And we do stuff with Food Bank and Mario. But I think if we, people like to work with us because we don't compromise the quality and, um, they can be as creative as they want. It's not like going to a big box retailer where they have to water it down and listen to a lot of different opinions. We really like artists to be artists. Well, what did Cynthia Raleigh do? It was the Fashion Plate series. Yeah. Yes. What, what was that line? It was, uh, it was little drawings of little fashion models. It was, it was really cute. It was a cute pattern. It was yeah. a great pattern. Yeah, I miss it. And then Charlie uh, Harper, is it? Charlie Harper through Todd Oldham. Yeah. He, Charlie Harper did a bunch of science books in the 50s for the public schools in the United yeah. States. And uh, Todd discovered him and kind of got the, the package, the estate, and the beautiful, te- you know, protected it very well. And Julie and Todd are very good friends. So Todd thought that was a perfect vehicle for us to, to you know, roll out that pattern. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Who are upcoming artists that you're excited about? Well, Milton, definitely. We're yeah. working with um, Lada Jansdotter. Yeah. Yeah. She, we're working, we have a great pattern with her that we're doing. Um, and I guess, and, and then the, one of the most exciting patterns is uh, Todd's doing the next generation of Charlie Harper, which is the, um, the birds. We're doing oh. the birds, which are, people have been anxiously waiting yeah. for. We're also doing really well with textiles right now. So we're really expanding our product line, too. Yeah. Um, so customizing, and not just for yourselves, or, uh, Mary Batali, and we'll talk about the connection, um, approached you or you approached him, I'm not sure, uh, to do a dinnerware line for him. Now, how did that all come about? you talking about the food bank? Um, no, I well, mean, originally. Back in the, back in the day, yeah. the bold black lettering the yeah, tiny vegetables yeah. well it, mario's wife is dave's first cousin Susie. that's correct yes and mario married my first cousin so that's our connection to mario yeah, but yeah. he's a great guy and yeah. we we do all kinds of it things happened at a dinner party yeah. at their house <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's, it's amazing just to hear how a lot of this 
it's not happenstance. I mean, it's karma at a point. Um, that, you know, going into that store, riding by another storefront, um, familiar ties, that all these things, you know, come together to create fishes. Well, it's, it's very, it is all in the family. Dave's sister actually designs all of Mario's restaurants. She's done every single logo for him. She really is, she's done a lot of work for him. She does all his cookbooks, every cookbook. So it's definitely all in the family. So doing Line with Mario, did you have a lot of other chefs, uh, restaurants in New York approaching you to do smaller custom lines for them? We're working with Danny Myers right now. We're, trying, we're doing we're, a, you know, we're, a few other chefs. And we're not doing custom patterns. Though. We're working with them. We sell to restaurants a lot. We are working with a lot of restaurateurs. And we, um, that's another part of the business. I mean, it makes sense. We yeah. sell, we sell to restaurants, too. Yeah. So, I mean, like distributors in the food businesses, you guys are mediating, you know, what the food comes on. Uh, because prior to that, who were the plate sellers in New York? Who were the people that people got, you know, dishware from? Well, like institutional sellers down the Bowery, like Balter Sales and King Supply. and Most of them are kind of out of business now, though, because the, the real estate was more valuable than their business ever was. Yeah, there are yeah. a lot of... Um, Patricia Fields was uh, originally a restaurant supply down there. Oh, yeah? Yeah, all those guys are... They're, now they're expensive restaurants and lobbies of apartment buildings. Yeah. So yeah. Where, where have all the good dishes gone? Fish is Eddie. Well, of course. (laughs) But, I mean, the manufacturers are gone, too. Viking Glass, Syracuse. They're all gone. It's it's actually, most of it's made in China. Yeah. Most of it's made in China. Yeah. So when did these things close and why? Again, because their real estate was more valuable than their business. And... uh, and then they, they probably from the um, 90s on. But the manufacturers started closing uh, little by little because, first of all, no businesses were ordering small amounts of proprietary anymore because it was costly. So yeah. that's all that stuff we were finding. And then the big chains like Olive Garden and those, kind, those guys, they would just go offshore. And, and just because of overseas competition, they just started closing one by one. So it was a, a huge change in the industry, and it trickled down to us. Yeah. Who are the biggest plate manufacturers in the world right now? Uh, there's Homer Laughlin. That's an American-made company. But they're uh, the, the last one standing, and they're standing because they make Fiesta wear. So yeah. they're not even – they're down to like a small portion of their business is food service. They're really about um, Fiesta wear, which is not commercial use. Yeah. But – And then – The majority going overseas uh, – um, and you guys not want to compromise, you know, your original mantra and mission statement. I mean, it must it must have been hard and uh, taking some time to, you know, scout out Mexico and scout out, you know. We did. Yeah. We had we traveled to a lot of places and worked with a lot of factories. And it, 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 in the beginning, we didn't think we were going to pull it off. We yeah. thought because they didn't have the quality that we were demanding. But eventually, after working with the factory and the designers, we got it down to what we wanted. And it, they produced what we needed. So this is a true case of think global, shop local. Yeah, 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 but I mean, we weren't. We never thought that would happen to us. Yeah. You know, our heads were a little bit in the sand. Well, because, we were trying to stay yeah. to American made as long as we could, but it it meant uh, us staying in business. I mean, yeah, we, had to stay we in would business. have to look for jobs. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and that so, wasn't going to work. This all kind of hit in what two thousand eight? Uh, no, earlier oh, than yeah, that. Earlier than that. Yeah. Yeah. Late, late 90s? Well, no, well, probably around like 2001, 2002 is when like things got things got a little hairy. Yeah, definitely. 
So, and you, not to bring back uh, uh, somber times, I mean, you had an Upper West Side, an Upper East Side, uh, East Hampton. Uh, uh, I lived right well, near the Brooklyn location. Yeah, well, that was the first thing we did when we decided, let's just go back. And we believed in the brand. We worked really hard to build it, and, and, and we love it. And we to go back to square one and figure out how to do this and be global. We just retracted and closed all the stores. The one store that we would still have, we actually did lose the lease, which was the Upper West Side. Yeah. But we had to go retract and go back to home base, which was 19th Street. Yeah. And but in that one store, we're doing more business in the one than we did in five. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So business so it, is through the roof right now. It's yeah. because people will travel for your travels and for all your hard work, you know? Well, also, um, sourcing, outsourcing uh, meant the ability to be more creative. Like, honestly, the Charlie Harper dishes that we're doing with Todd, we could never have done those in in American, in domestic manufacturers. Yeah. Yeah, and even a lot of stuff that we have, you know, made in Mexico. I mean, we could never... American manufacturing was limiting. Yeah. Um, I don't know whether or not it was made in America, but it's definitely Brooklynese. Uh, this wonderful, you know, uh, yeah. line that you did. Um, it was a competition, actually, right? Yeah, we do an annual competition at Pratt, which is really... Uh, it's, it's something that's close to our heart. We love it. We've been doing it for a while. And that was the first place winner two years ago. Yeah. Jordan Awan. Yeah. yeah. No, that was that Jordan? Jordan didn't do Brooklynese. Jordan did the Brooklyn pattern. Oh, the like, Brooklyn yeah, pattern. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you had, well, obviously Jordan too, who's, I think, what, the creative director, art director. Yeah, he's at New, New Yorker, yeah. So you had wonderful people to uh, contribute and yeah. collaborate with. Um, but th- this annual thing that you have at Pratt, what are some of the other patterns that have come out? Um, well, we did the Brooklynese. We have a, it's called the intervention pattern, and it's sort of obnoxious sayings <laughs> around a mug, like, you, um, you're not perky or sweaty, you know, things like that. <laughs> I mean, it's a very funny pattern. And uh, though we just had a competition this year, and the winner is, I love it, um, the subject matter was politics, and the winner did a Teddy Roosevelt design, which is pretty funny. And then another winner said, it says, let them eat cake. But yeah. then it says we are the 99% all around. You don't think it's too soon for the Teddy Roosevelt thing? Uh, very funny. Uh, <laughs> I don't get the Teddy thing, but we'll see how it yeah. goes. Yeah, excellent. My dad right. looks like Teddy Roosevelt. He? so really? Yeah, he even has a diastema, that little really? gap. Yeah, I'm so. a Teddy fan. Yeah, so well, I'll bring him in someday. <laughs> okay. Maybe he could be your Teddy. Yeah, uh, you yeah know, we'll need well. a character the day it comes out. <laughs> he's, he's retired. He can do that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, from the Brooklynese uh, to one of my favorites, it's the Heroes of the Torah. Yeah. Yeah, where do these ideas come from? They come from Julie's no. beautiful little head right no, there. That, that's not true. It's really a collaboration. First of all, we have a great people at the store. We have such a good team. Yeah. Selka and Sarah. And we have so many. Um, this, I always describe the store now as sort of like a moody teenager, and it has <laughs> its own personality, and we're just trying to make it happy. Yeah, really. it feels very Claire Danes, yeah. very my so-called life sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So every so it's a it's a collaboration. Everybody gets involved. Everybody, um, but and then we we do have a point of view, and everybody buys into it and and contributes to it. Yeah. So I mean, point of view going back to your initial idea of what Fish's Eddie was, um, are there great new American talents in dishware in plates? Any local talents that are making things that you're trying to bring in? Well, Lada. Definitely. Yeah. yeah, she's definitely a local talent. And um, I would say Todd's a local talent. Yeah. Yeah. But there aren't the manufacturers here anymore. There aren't the manufacturers here, except, you know, Homer Lachlan in Ohio. And we do work with them. Yeah. We do a lot with them. In fact, they're 
we have a, the green band pattern, which you've seen a million yeah. times. Actually, it's right there. <laughs> um, and they they make the classic green band pattern. They've made it for how many years? 120. Yeah, and we years. and we carry it. It's it's what it it is what we have at home. Actually, it's the most beautiful, I think, classic versatile pattern. It's just you've seen it everywhere. It's like meeting an old friend every time you see it. Yeah, and is that your best seller? Um, no, it's not the bestseller, but it's definitely very appreciated. Yeah, it's a kind of a classic, but it's not. It's for a particular group. I mean, it's kind of the old New Yorker guy would yeah. <laughs> gravitate to it. But people mix and match a lot, and this was not necessarily by design, too, because when we were bringing those bushels up from the basements of the Bowery, we were bringing in, it was all mixed. It was just everything that you can imagine was in there. So people started mixing and matching. We didn't sit around and say, let's try to get people to mix and match. Yeah. So that's sort of how that happened. Oh, well, let's explain the mix and match, too, because that whole section to the back left, where, I mean, it's just a mosh pot of everything. Um, is that stuff that you're trying to get rid of, kind of like the restaurants inviting you in to unload their basements? Well, maybe. I mean, I don't know if it's get rid of. It's People love digging. You know, they love digging. Yeah. They really love the adventure of what they're going to discover. It's a kind of a discovery. There's an area in the store that's just, yeah. what, what am I going to so find? You're giving them the true Fishes Eddie experience yeah, exactly. by doing that. Yeah. Um, and now Fishes Eddie, the name. What's it all about? Uh, it's a, named after the fish family on the a tributary of the Delaware. And... Uh, and a lot of towns up there are named after the families, like the, there's Fish's Eddy, Long Eddy, Hale Eddy, and there are Eddies in the river, and they, the, town, the, the town was founded by the family, and they just named it after the family. Yeah. Does that make any sense? Yeah. We have a letter yeah. from a fellow named Hiram. Oh, no. It, his last name is Fish, and his great-great-great-grandfather was Hiram Fish from, like, the late 1600s that was one founded of the founders the of the town. Yeah. Yeah. It's very beautiful but up there. The best, um, the best compliment I think we've ever got. One time, somebody sent us a snapshot of the sign "Fishes Eddie," and they sent it to the store. And they said, "Did you know they named a town after mm. your store?" <laughs> so that was my. That was one of. That was a great compliment. Yeah, I don't think it can get better than that. So we're just going to end the show on that note. Thank you, Dave Thank and you. Julie, for Thank being here. Thank you us. so much. Yeah. And if you've never been to Fishes Eddie, but the town named after the store, the store itself, stop by fisheseddie.com on 19th Street, right there at Broadway. You've been listening to the food scene on heritageradionetwork.com. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkell. Hoping to have you back here next Tuesday at 3. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.